Genesis chapter 4, and if you're there, say amen. amen. Verse number 1, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. I've gotten a man from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel. And of his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. God did not respect Cain or his offering, so it made him mad. It said that Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And so the Lord asked him the question, he said, why are you mad? Why are you wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? Verse 7, if thou do well, shalt thou not be accepted? Somebody say accepted. If you do what's right, should you not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? For the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. I want to, with the help of the Lord tonight, talk to you about unqualified sacrifice. Unqualified sacrifice. Could we call on the Lord together? Great God of heaven and earth. If we've ever needed you, Lord, we need you tonight. We need you to speak to your people with a sure sound, with a certain voice. I'm asking you tonight in Jesus' name that hearts would be tender before you, that lives would be changed and affected by the forever settled in heaven word of God. And may it be settled in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, let the church say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' mighty name. The story of Cain and Abel has been told by people who really don't even like the Bible. It's been told in colleges and universities. It's been told in pulpits. It's been told all around the world that the offspring of the fallen continued to fall. Cain is, uh, Cain is a man that... His mother said was sent to her from the Lord. 
She said, God gave me a man. But that man, when he came to the age of accountability, did the same thing that his mother and father had done. And he used his ability of free choice to bring to God what he wanted to bring to God. Now you've heard me preach and teach many times that there are things in the scripture that are explicit. They are given to us explicitly. We see it very clearly. And then there are things that are implicit. They are the things that are implied. We never see anywhere in the scripture where Adam and Eve sat down with Cain and Abel and said, this is how you sacrifice. But we do know that they are old enough now that one is tilling the ground and one is feeding his sheep. So we know that they're of a pretty good age. And so somehow they know to bring sacrifice to the Lord. It was a time of sacrifice. How did they know? It was time of sacrifice because they were taught that. And if they were taught that there was a time of sacrifice, then more than likely they were taught there was a type of sacrifice. Now there's a lot about this sacrifice that Cain brings that we could talk about. We do know that he brought of the fruit of the ground and that Abel brought of the firstling of his flock. And there's a lot to be said about that language there that Abel brought of the firstling. In other words, Abel brought... Of the first fruit of what it was he was doing. God loves first and God wants to be first. Somebody say preeminence. I taught on this just the other day. Preached on it the other day. There's a difference in God having prominence and God having preeminence. And God wants the first of what we do. But I believe that there is more to this than just the fact that it wasn't the first of his fruit. I believe that after the sin of Adam and Eve when they dressed themselves in fig leaves and the Lord killed an animal and put the skin of that animal on them, that from that day forward there was a language of blood and sacrifice in their family. I do not believe for one moment that blood and sacrifice were a strange concept to Cain. But I do believe that Cain, just as you and I, exercised his ability to do what he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it. And the problem with that kind of spirit of compromise is that the further we go and the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, there's a lot of people that do this. And notice Cain offered his to the Lord. And there are people that are offering sacrifice that is unqualified to God, asking him to accept it, and then getting wroth when he does it. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, let me tell you how it breaks down in this society. We've got people that are starting social clubs and calling them churches, telling people to offer whatever you want to offer. Their worship services, quote, unquote, look more like nightclubs and dance clubs than they do holy and sacred places. Their music sounds like nightclubs. The rooms are filled with smoke, flashing lights. Literally, uh, some people out in the aisles dancing like it's a nightclub. And they say that it is in Jesus' name. 
Women wearing clothes that are revealing on the platforms, decked from the top of their head to the soles of their feet in jewels and jewelry, and saying, we're doing this unto God. And then, when holy people talk about sacrifice, those people look at Pentecostals and say, you guys are unreasonable. And because we are offering sacrifice to God, he accepts it. And that's just the bottom line. Well, folks, I want to tell you tonight the reason why I believe what I believe. And I preach the way that I preach. And I live the way that I live. Is because I don't want to just bring a sacrifice that God's not going to receive. I want to live the kind of life that whatever sacrifice I'm bringing to God... God is receiving that sacrifice. I do sincerely believe, and we're going to talk about this for a little bit tonight, that we are living in a dispensation and a generation where people literally believe they can bring God whatever they want to bring Him and just expect God to receive it. But I'm telling you that He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to tell you that if God did not receive Cain's sacrifice in the beginning, that God is still willing to refuse an unqualified sacrifice today. I believe that God is a God of order. I believe that God is a God of principle. I believe that if God established law and principle that's beyond law, I believe that God believes that principle As much today as he believed it in the Old Testament. God does not change his mind on principle. As a matter of fact, the only times we've seen God change his mind in Scripture at all is on the judgment of people that did not keep principle and law because they repented. If you want to see God change his mind, look at Nineveh. If you want to see God change his mind, look at Jeremiah. He said, I'm so tired of Israel, I'm going to divorce Israel. But in that same chapter, he said, return to me, my bride. God never did divorce Israel because he is a God of mercy. And I do believe that there is always a space for repentance as long as there is breath in your body. But, but the problem that this has created is that because we've brought a sacrifice unto God and we have not faced the curse of Cain, then we believe that we can bring whatever we want, and God's just going to receive it, and because there wasn't judgment, then that means God's okay with it. Am I making any sense tonight? Because we live in the dispensation of grace, and because mercy has been so accessible to us, it has truly created quite chaotic experiences in the religious world. This says Jesus paid it all and you don't have to do anything to please the Lord. There's nothing you could do that could ever top his sacrifice. I, I, I don't need to top his sacrifice. But I do have to bring him mine. I don't have to repay Calvary. But I do need him to know that I take Calvary serious. I 
want you to think about, about some phrases that we use, in particular, this, this particular one. I want you to just think about it. We say it so quickly, but I wonder if we understand the context of what we're saying. When we say, it's a good life to live for the Lord. Somebody say, living for the Lord. Do you know living for the Lord means we do it every day? You know living for the Lord means we're doing more than going to church. Going to church is part of living for the Lord. That's not living for the Lord. That's being faithful to the house of God. And while it's an amazing thing and it's a big part of what we're doing, as a matter of fact, I don't believe you can live for the Lord without being faithful to the house of God. But just because we go to the house of God doesn't mean that we're living for the Lord. Woo! What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying there's going to be a lot of people who are surprised on Judgment Day because they were in the seat every week, but they brought an unqualified sacrifice to God. And I still believe that God is a God of principle. And there's some things that God wants in my life. And I never have nor never will have a right to just tell the Lord, whatever I bring, you're going to accept it. And that's the bottom line. Folks, I'm thankful for mercy tonight. But mercy is not my permission to bring God whatever I want. What I want to find out is, what is God wanting from me? And whatever God wants from me, that's what I I want to bring that's what I want to bring if we go to the book of Isaiah chapter 58 I talked about some of this in our ministry class this week at PCA and it has burned in my spirit for the last several days but Isaiah chapter 58 verses 1 through 3 Isaiah 58 Verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Now I want you to notice this next verse. Verse number 2 Yet they seek me daily. Follow me. They delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of God, the Bible said in verse 2, these are the people of God, of course, children of Israel, that they do righteousness. And they forsook not the ordinance of their God. These people did everything except keep the commandments of God. They were a people of prayer. They were a people that fasted. They were people that loved the presence of God. I want you to understand what God is saying. I do not care how much you pray, how often you fast. How fervently you worship or what you know about justice. If you do not keep my commandments, he said that your sins and your transgressions will be declared like a trumpet. I've come to tell you tonight that we live in a society where people who call themselves religious people 
pray and do devotions and fast and go to church. But God is not impressed in the sacrifice that they're making if they do not keep the commandment of God. It does not impress God for us to pray three hours a day and then not respond to what God says to us in that prayer time. I'm going to tell you precious people something tonight. Maybe this is too much about my humanity, but I don't like to fast. I know all you spiritual folks love it. I don't, I don't like to fast. I've had people say, Pastor, I don't fast because I get headaches. Well, welcome to the club. I mean, fasting is headacheville. That's what it's all about. If you don't, especially if you're a caffeiner. If you're a coffee drinker, you, you put caffeine in, you start fasting, your, your brain's going to just boom, 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 and you're going to feel it. I don't like fasting, and this is why I don't understand people who will fast to draw closer to God, and then when God speaks to them while they're fasting, they disregard what God said while they were fasting. You know what I would say to somebody like that? If you're not going to listen, man, go get a Big Mac. Come on, somebody. If you're not going to respond when God draws you closer to him, go get you a ribeye steak. Don't put yourself through all of the pain and the suffering of fasting and then not respond to what the Lord is asking you to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 13, the Lord said, Whoso despises my word shall be destroyed. He said, if you don't love what I'm saying, I am going to destroy you or even allow you to be destroyed. Now, I know this is a concept that we don't like to talk about in this day and time because everybody wants Jesus to be just their best friend. They just want to view God as the one that keeps them happy. But I'm going to tell you where that doctrine comes from. It comes from people who want to offer unqualified sacrifice to God. And they don't want to do the will of God. Nor do they want you to do the will of God. Because it's convicting. Oh, this is pretty heavy right here. But I'm going to tell you why a bunch of folks don't like holiness people. Because they're convicted when you come around. Consecration convicts people. You know, somebody, somebody that doesn't understand why we do what we do can come sit in our church. And I pray to God it doesn't happen. But I've seen it happen through the years that people will say Pentecostals are just judgmental people. When you go back and try to trace it down, you say, well... Who was ugly to you? Nobody was ugly to me. Well, what happened when you came? Well, I walked in and people looked at me. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be weird if they didn't? And people start concocting things in their minds that people don't like. And I'm a, I'll be honest with you. We've got to work hard to be friendly. I think we ought to be the friendliest church in town. But I, I want something to be crystal clear. A lot of times people are not offended by your look. They're offended by your consecration. When you get around family and friends that don't understand 
You've probably been called several things like goody two-shoes, holier than thou. You just think you're better than everybody else. Well, anybody that loves the Lord can't be arrogant. You can't be. I want that to be crystal clear. You can't be arrogant and love the Lord. You can't be a self-righteous meanie and say you love the Lord. You, you can't. That is explicit in the scripture. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. You can't be a meanie and, and, and rude to people and say that you love the Lord. So we got to get that off the table. If you love the Lord, you can't be judgmental to people that walk through the doors. My prayer is that if people ever feel that, that, that feeling of judgment, that it's never coming from our hearts. But if, if they feel anything, may it be from our holiness. And God would awaken them to say, this is why you feel what you feel. Because these people have separated themselves unto me. I believe that there's something very powerful about apostolic preaching style. And I... I I don't have time to go into what I'm saying, but if you've been around Pentecost at all, you know there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a style of preaching. Our homiletics are somewhat different than a lot of places. We, we, uh, we're all really calm when we preach. We are always just chilled out when we preach. I don't understand why well, this is going to make me sound old-fashioned. But I don't understand why people would want to take away what's worked. I'm not here to be ugly tonight, but I'm telling you, I, I want to bring a qualified sacrifice. I'll never understand why people want to take the pulpits out of our churches. Can I preach to you tonight? I'll never understand why pulpits have been replaced with stools and coffee tables. And I'll never understand why preachers are replaced with just speakers. And platforms are being replaced with stages. Well, we don't want the world to think we're crazy. Too late. They've already heard that you're a tongue talker. So don't quit speaking in tongues. They've already heard about us running the aisle, so don't stop doing that. They've already heard that we dance and shout, so don't stop doing that. They've already heard that our preachers are wild, so we ought not stop doing that. I don't know why anybody would want to replace what works. I promise you I'm not saying this to be mean-hearted tonight. I promise before God, I'm not. But I'll never understand why we're getting rid of, of weekly services and turning those into fellowship groups where people sit at home. Listen, I'm saying this sincerely. I promise before God, there's no arrogance or, or guile in my mouth at all tonight. But I've never in my life heard somebody say that while I was eating cheese dip and corn chips, the Lord called me to the mission field. But I have been in meetings where there was powerful, demonstrative preaching. 
And someone responded in the altar. And when they came forward to an altar call, because we still believe in an altar call. And when they came forward in the altar call, the Spirit of the Lord called them to the ministry. And they became evangelists and pastors and, and teachers. Ah, help me tonight. I have talked with people from the, from, from the tops of organizations about their frustrations as to why we're not seeing young preachers being called like they used to. Brother St. Clair, why do you think we're not seeing young preachers be called as much as we used to? And my response has been very plain and very simple to people. Because we're not giving them the opportunities to be called. We're taking away opportunities for God to speak to us in the altar and replacing it with a night of fellowship to watch the football game together. Maybe I'm old-fashioned church family, but I want to tell you there will never be a replacement for being together in the house of the Lord with apostolic preaching and power and demonstration and authority and signs confirming the word of God. You can call me crazy if you want to, but I have settled it in my heart. I still believe that it's the will of God for us to be together in the house of the Lord. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah. God help us. I, I believe that we have got to create an environment where God can speak to people. I know not every preacher preaches exactly the way that I preach. But as a general rule, demonstrative preaching has been the mantra of Pentecost. And I was raised with demonstrative preachers preaching. And literally, this is not, this is not just rhetoric. Literally, people, sinners, grabbing the backs of the pews. And holding on to their seats because they... Did not want to get up from the seat. You know what? I've never heard that happening while they're eating cereal and drinking coffee and donuts. I'm not being ugly tonight, but I'm telling you, we've got to bring a sacrifice that is qualified to God. We, we've got to present ourselves in such a way that God said, that right there is a place where I can move. That's an atmosphere where I can speak. That's an atmosphere where I can take the sinner and make them clean. Where I can take the addict and set them free. The, your Bible says that his anointing destroys yokes. And if we're in a place where there is no anointing. That means that no yokes are being destroyed. Oh, God. I realize the risk that I run tonight of people thinking that I'm being critical. I say often that... One of the greatest assets we have in the 21st century is the ability to be seen of all men more than ever on the internet. And that asset is also a great liability. Yeah. 
Because people can make you sound like whatever they want you to sound like. But I'm telling you tonight as your pastor. That in this church it will always be my obligation and my duty and my promise to you. That we will always try to to present a place where people can be called and changed and restored. Look, I know, I know for some of you. This may seem like a foreign concept, but I still believe that in our services, it is the kind of atmosphere that a drunk can walk in off the street and God can sober them up and fill them with the Holy Ghost. Come on, I still believe that. I still, I still believe that they can walk in confused and messed up from the pressures of life. But because there is an atmosphere of holiness and an atmosphere of preaching and an atmosphere of anointing and unction, I believe they can walk into this house and leave different. I said all of that simply to say to you tonight, that, that when people walk into this place, they, the difference that they feel is not just our demonstrative preaching, although I thank God for it. It's not just our music, although I thank God for it. But I want to tell you that people feel a difference when they walk into this church because of our separation. You can believe it or not, but it does make a difference. When the largest part of this church has not been digesting and ingesting worldliness all week long when we come together. Woo! Our conversations are not about the big game. Our conversations are not about the newest movies. Our conversations are not about what's going on on TV. Our conversations are about what God is doing in our lives and how God is restoring and refreshing. Brothers and sisters, I thank God for the atmosphere that's in this church. And we've got to fight to keep it that way. We've got to do whatever we've got to do to keep this a place where when people walk through the doors, they know there's a difference. I'm going to tell you how strong I believe it. And how strongly I feel about it. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If we ever get to the place. That the apostolic church in this city. Cannot offer people something different than they could get at any other church. Then I want the Lord to close the doors of this church. Hey. We're blessed. We're, we're not in any trouble. Thank the Lord. Thank God our finances are just fine. We've never missed a payment on this bill. We always pay the light bills. and got nothing to worry about. I thank the Lord for that. But I'm going to tell you. I've, I've seen amazing churches end up with chains on the doors of their church or a for sale sign in the front yard. Don't you think for one minute that there could never be a for sale sign in the front yard of this church? If we forget what got us here and we forget the power of what makes us what we are, I believe it just as sure as I listen. People that have never preached truth are absolutely not at all. They are not at all at risk of God writing Ichabod on their door. 
Because there has to be glory in a place for the glory to depart. It's only the places where his glory has dwelt that we've got to worry about keeping that atmosphere. And if the glory of the Lord ever departs from this place, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be in a place where God can speak. And when God speaks, we are just what James said. We are not just hearers, but we are doers of the word. Oh, God. God, help us to never just get addicted to preaching. Boy, that went over like a lead balloon. This church is funny. Because we, we, we judge preaching sometimes like we do a concert. If it ain't our favorite preacher, we ain't listening. If it's not our favorite preacher, we're not responding. I'm going to tell you tonight. I was introducing the kids the other day to Brother Alan Augs uh, on the internet. He passed away, I believe, in 2007. Brother Augs had cerebral palsy. And his speech was, it was barely, barely woken. It was hard to understand. But he was a, he was a powerful preacher. But the Augs was a powerful preacher. And I don't, I don't care if they talk plain or they don't talk plain. If they're preaching the word of God, the word of God's powerful. Come on, y'all. It, we shouldn't be distracted that easy right there. Come on, I'm preaching to you tonight. If somebody walk around the sanctuary and distracts you from the word, we got... I, I want you to know tonight, I don't care what they sound like, what they, what they look like, if they're your style or not your style. If it's the word, it's the word. And the word can change you. And the word can rearrange you. And the word can lift you up when you're down. It can help you. So what if I'm praying? What if I'm fasting? What if I'm worshiping? What if I like to feel his presence, but I am ignoring his word when he speaks to me? Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 58, and I want us uh, to go to Isaiah 66. I'm sorry, to Isaiah 66. And I want us to look at verses 3 and 4, Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66 in verse number 3. This is what the Lord says about people who are offering unqualified sacrifices because they're not hearing his voice. Watch this. This is in your Bible. He that killeth an ox. Watch this language. It's amazing. Is as if he slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb. Somebody say sacrifice. He's sacrificing a lamb is as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation is as if he offered swine's blood. We're talking about Hebrew people here. Swine's blood, pig's blood. He that burneth incense is as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways. The Lord said... When they bring me an unqualified sacrifice, 
I don't look at it as sacrifice. He said, if they're trying to offer me incense, it's, they might as well have offered to an idol. He said, if, if they are trying to offer me an oblation offering, it, they might as well have offered me swine's blood. He said, I'm not impressed with the sacrifice when it's not what I've asked you to bring and how I've asked you to bring it. Are y'all with me tonight? Woo, God help me. But Lord, I killed an ox. Well, it's as if you slew a man. Let's look at verse 4. In verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 66. This messes with me so bad. He said, I also will choose their delusion. This is tough. I will choose their delusion and will bring their fears upon them. Why? Because when I called, church family, hear me tonight. I'm just reading you the word. If I've walked out of the word tonight, you can leave. You can get up and walk out on it. Get mad at me. But I'm in the book. He said, I'm going to choose their delusion. And I'm going to let their greatest fears come on them. Because when I called them, they didn't answer me. He didn't say they didn't sacrifice. He said they didn't answer me. I was trying to get their attention and tell them that your sacrifice is as if. Your sacrifice isn't moving my heart because I'm talking to you, oh God. And you're not listening to me. He said, when I spake to them, they did not hear me, but they did evil. This is what's crazy. Right before my eyes. Listen. And they chose that in which I delighted not. Why did God not receive Cain's sacrifice? He should have received the sacrifice because Cain chose what God delighted not in. Uh, I, I, it's going to be sober for just a minute. I'm not going to preach a whole lot longer. But I want you to understand the weight and the pressure of what I'm preaching to you tonight. That God is going to choose their delusions. Well, you know, Brother St. Clair, you're just so stuck in the Old Testament tonight. Well, the apostle said in the New Testament, because they had not love for truth, that God, not, not a false prophet, God sent them strong delusion. Listen to this language and caused them to believe a lie that they might be damned. This keeps me on my face. I'm telling you, this keeps me on my face. I pray to the Lord all the time. I mean, throughout the day, all the time. Just at random times. I'll be driving down the road and say, Lord, I'm so thankful for truth. I don't just talk about truth when I'm preaching. God, I'm so thankful for truth. Brother Mike. 
seeing your kids love truth. Brother, I can't tell you how it blesses me to see these kids falling in love with truth. When I see these kids in this altar, I don't care if it drives you all crazy or not. I like our young people worshiping. Come on now. Sometimes I want to send them back out into the crowd, though, because it puts pressure on the deadbeats. When the worshipers get out and come up here, everybody else sits and goes. I thank God for truth, but I'm going to tell you why I stay on my face before God about loving truth. Because they love not the truth, did not have a love for truth. God sent them. Strong delusion. Folks, it's easy to be deceived by men. But if I deceive you, somebody else can come along and help you get undeceived. That's not proper language, but you know what I'm saying. If I deceive you, somebody can help you get undeceived. But if God sends you a delusion, nobody's going to undelusion you. You ain't going to find that in your English books, kids. That's not in PCA. You know why this scares me? Oh, Lord. I need somebody praying for me right now. I'm pushing against something in here tonight. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why this scares me. I used to get so frustrated. I would get so frustrated. When men, Brother Jordan, that I knew used to believe what I believed, walked away from it. Like, I knew that. I knew they believed what I believed. Then they walked away from it, and they would, they would say things to me like, bro, I believe it as strong as I've ever believed it. It'd make me mad. Now, I, I never acted like a fool or acted ugly, but I wanted to say, you big dummy. Don't lie to me. Don't tell me you still believe it. I know you don't believe it because you used to preach it. You told your church that you weren't going to preach it anymore. Are y'all following me tonight? Is this too heavy for a Wednesday night? But it got me so mad one day I went to prayer and I said, God, these suckers are making me mad talking about they believe it as strong as they ever believed it. And I know they don't believe it. And the Lord spoke to me. Just as clear as I'm talking to you right now. And he said, because I let him believe it. I said, what? He said, they still believe that they believe it as strong as they ever have believed it. Because I let them believe it. When you fall out of love with the truth. This is how it makes so much sense. If people want to understand how that blasphemy is an unforgivable sin, unpardonable. This is the reason why, okay? I'm going to preach this to you. I, man, I hope this don't come across too strong, but the Word of God, it, it's sharp. It's strong. It's alive. It's quick. It's alive. And I'm going to tell you, the reason why there's the, the, it's the thing that God can't forgive, I'm going to tell you why. Because once you have blasphemed, I'm not saying that you said something silly that you regret later. I'm talking about you say something with such bitterness in your heart that you actually believe what you said is the truth. I believe. There's a switch that God turns. It's in your Bible. 
when someone's turned over to a reprobate mind. I believe that God flips a switch. And they believe that they still believe truth. And that's why it seems unpardonable because they, don't, they can't repent from it. Why would you repent from truth? Are y'all following? Why would you repent from something you believe is righteousness? But when God, Lord, don't ever, oh God. When God lets that delusion rest on them. I can't imagine standing before the Lord on judgment day. And God saying to me, I sent you delusion. Because when I called, you did not answer. And when I spoke, you did not hear. Can I as your shepherd just throw this out to you tonight? I wonder how many times he spoke to you on Wednesday night, but you weren't there. Come on, can I get an amen or an me? I wonder how many times he spoke, but we had... We had to go do something else. Well, I, you know, that's, that's not how God works, Pastor. Well, let me, let me tell you how Jesus said it in his parable. He said, I'm going to have a wedding feast. He said, I want you to go invite people to come. The servant came back and said, well, I invited Billy over there. Billy said he bought a piece of property and he had to go see about the property. I invited Jimmy over there. And Jimmy, he's going to get married. Got to go to a wedding. And the Lord, the Lord said, okay, if they don't want to respond to my invitation, then you go to the highways and the byways. God, I wish y'all could feel what I feel right now. And you compel them to come. The blind, the halt, and the maim. The ones that wouldn't listen to the call, forget it. And go get the ones that everybody's overlooked. God, I'd hate to think that he overlooked a professional Pentecostal. Because we were so successful that we didn't think we needed him anymore. And when it was time for the wedding, we didn't make it to the wedding. Brothers and sisters, hear me when I tell you tonight. I still believe it as strong as I've ever believed it. That if we're going to bring a sacrifice to God... We're going to bring sacrifice to God on his terms. We're going to bring God the sacrifice that he wants. Jude speaks of this very thing. And I'm hurrying to a close. I've been here for too long already. But Jude speaks of this very thing. When he talks about evil men coming in and corrupting the body of Christ. He said, woe unto them. I've preached it in this church for years. But he said, woe unto them. He said, for they have gone after the way of Cain, the heir of Balaam, and the gainsaying of Korah. What's he talking about? These corruptors of the gospel, the corruptors of the doctrine that crept in unaware. He said, these have gone after the way of Cain. What are, what are they? What, what, what's the way of Cain? The way of Cain said that I'd rather bring the kind of sacrifice I want to. And if I have to, I'll slay my brother before I'll bow my knee and tell God I'm sorry. And I'll bring it the way you want me to bring it. 
It's a brother killing spirit that gets on to people that are carnal minded and they want to bring God whatever they want to bring him. But I'm telling you tonight, I'm tired of seeing my brothers die because of unqualified sacrifice. The best way to do this and save your brother is just hear the voice of God. And when God is speaking, we're going to respond to his voice. Prayer without obedience. Consecration without obedience. It doesn't make sense. But I'll tell you where I believe we see this. I believe we see this plainly in the scripture. As the apostle begins to describe to us, and I'm closing. As the apostle begins to describe to us. That in the end time church, that there would be people who would have a form of godliness. But they would deny the power thereof. Are you hearing me tonight? A form of godliness. Church, I I want you to pick up what I'm putting down right here. A form of godliness. What's the form of godliness? Jesus said in that day, many would come to me and say, Lord, Lord. Come on, what did he say? Ministry. Casting out devils. Healing the sick. Doing it in Jesus' name. He said, I don't even know you. There is a time when ministry becomes iniquity. When sacrifice becomes iniquity. And that is when we're offering sacrifice without hearing his voice and knowing him. Pastor, every time the doors are open, I'm there. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you as your pastor for being faithful. But what I want to know is, are you hearing his voice? Are you hearing his voice? When God speaks, are you hearing his voice? If he talks to you at 3 o'clock in the morning, are you going to hear his voice? Oh, God. I want us to just reach our hands towards heaven right now. I feel something trying to break through in here tonight. I know I've preached a hard word to you. But I want this to get in somebody's spirit tonight. That it's possible to bring a sacrifice to God. That the Bible said he did not have respect for. Lord, I'm asking you right now. That your spirit would search through the aisles of this church tonight with these precious people. I thank you for the faithful saints of God that have gathered, Lord. But I pray that somebody in this house tonight will hear your voice. As you speak, God, we promise you tonight we're going to listen. Come on, I, I feel this moving through here right now. If you're going to listen to his voice, if you want to hear his voice, would you just take a step of faith right now and just step out? Step out into the aisle and say, God, I'm I'm going to hear your voice. Lord, I want your voice to be the loudest voice in my life. I want your voice to be louder than the naysayers. I want your voice to be louder than the criticism. I want your voice to be louder than Hollywood. I want your voice to be louder, God, whatever you got to do in me. I want to hear your voice. 
Oh, that's it, church. Come on, there's a beautiful presence in here tonight. I didn't just come to preach you into an emotional frenzy tonight. I, I came to talk to somebody. I want to bring a sacrifice to God that's qualified to be received of Him. But unto Abel, he had respect. And unto Cain, he had not respect. Why? Because his sacrifice was unqualified. God help me tonight. I want to live my life in a way that's pleasing unto you. Could this be the Romans 12 moment? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Oh. God, I want my sacrifice to be pure and holy. I don't want it to be as if I had done anything else. I want my sacrifice to be pure and holy. God, I want to please you. God, I want to hear your voice. Come on, it's a simple prayer, precious saints of God. It's a simple prayer tonight. God, I want to hear your voice. When you speak, I'll answer God, when you speak, I'll respond. Let's stretch our hands of faith towards heaven tonight. God, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. I know I've been preaching for a while tonight. I've been here for a while. Well, I just need the Lord to work this and this and this out in my life, and then I can listen. No, sweetheart, no. You've got to hear his voice whether that works out or don't work out. You've got to hear his voice whether there's healing or no healing. You've got to hear his voice whether your marriage is good or not good. You've got to hear his voice. Uh, God, I want to hear your voice. Uh, Hallelujah. God, I want to hear your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for responding, church family. Thank you for responding to the voice of the Lord tonight. Some of you have been hearing his voice and responding. He's been calling you deeper and you've been going deeper. He's been calling you deeper into prayer and you've been praying more. He's been calling you to consecration. You've been fasting more. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pastor, I'm not where I want to be. But listen, thank God you're not where you used to be. If you're hearing his voice, if you're hearing his voice, you're moving in the right direction. Hallelujah. Let's thank him for his word tonight. Let's thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I want to know his voice. I preached to you last Wednesday night about the familiar voice. And tonight I believe that what I preach, what I preach to you tonight is in alignment with that. That if, if you're not familiar with his voice, you will be familiar with a voice. And you will follow whatever voice you're familiar with. My prayer tonight before God and his precious church is that I would hear his voice. And when he speaks, I would respond.
and that the sacrifice I bring would be qualified to bless his heart. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise and thanksgiving tonight?